Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Adam Lines. I am the founder and co-host of the Undercut Podcast. Joined by me today, once again, is my fellow co-host, Mark Gold. What's going on, everyone? I hope everyone's having a nice day today. I think they're having a great day now because they're listening to the Undercut Podcast. It's true. You really can't get better. Can't get better. Okay. So, as you probably or hopefully know, this week is an off week in Formula One, so there's no race. The Turkish Grand Prix is this upcoming Sunday. Yes, sir. Very excited for that race. Not excited for the race. I would be very excited for qualifying and just to watch the cars go around that track in, you know, 2020. There's only one real overtaking spot. Yeah. That's like a really quality overtaking spot. It's going into the last three corners right at the very end of the lap. Yeah, yeah. The rest of it's a lot of high-speed corners. Do I think it's going to be an amazing race? I'm not sure. But it kind of has the same flow and same style as something like a Portugal or a Spain. Interesting to watch nonetheless, right? It's going to be interesting to watch. Because it's a new track, do I want it on the calendar as much as I love it? I We're going to talk about this on Sunday. Yeah. But, you know, I don't really think it should be on the calendar full time unless the cars lose a lot of downforce. But again, we will talk about that this upcoming Sunday at 9 p.m. EST. Sorry for the delay uh-huh. on the podcast. It's coming out a day late. Yeah, we had a busy weekend, guys. It was a very busy weekend. We were both two university students. Yeah, with full with full class loads. Yep, and big and dreams. Big dreams. Big dreams. And a lot of other commitments. But this is top priority. Oh, much. always, always. We yeah. just it was just a very busy school. Weekend. But this is school will come first. Like yeah. I won't lie to you guys, but you know this is number two. Number two. All right, so let's roll the in. Oh, I haven't even said what's on today's podcast. I've no, only we talked about other podcasts. So on today's podcast, we, as you probably know by the title, are going to be reviewing the career and life of the. Spanish legend Fernando Alonso so far. Oh man, I'm looking forward to this one. Mm-hmm, Cuz he's coming back in 2021. Cannot wait for that. So, in case you in case you missed him, in case you forgot about him, which you probably didn't, we're just going to recap basically his entire life. There's yeah. a couple facts in here that I have in my notes that you may not know. Yeah. If you're a Fernando Alonso fan, you're going to have a good podcast. If you hate Fernando Alonso, then I recommend watching This Week in F1, mm-hmm. which is our last podcast first. And then maybe not watch this one because we just praise him for about an hour. It's going to be fun. It's pretty great. Yeah. So, yeah, let's roll the intro and get into it. Okay, so Fernando Alonso did a lot of research on this guy. It was a lot of Wikipedia. Oh, me too. A lot of videos. I had a lot of YouTube going. A lot, a lot of, of YouTube. Uh, some other articles, and yeah, we basically I have in twelve hundred words of notes comprised his entire career and summarized it. So we're gonna be talking about that it's today. Pretty impressive because I I'm a history major and I have a a, a brain that memorizes really well. So I came in with very minimal notes. Yeah. But and I am a dumbass who came in with had to come in with lots of notes. But the thing is, the thing is, I feel so dumb when <laughs> when I when I see you having like pages and pages of notes because it's like, well, I didn't do that, but also I don't know, I I don't I focus better when I don't have to write notes and I can just mm-hmm. like take in the information, you know? Yeah, Mark walked in, no notes, nothing in hand. I had the basically a, his biography. Oh yeah. In my hand, so all right. <laughs> I had brain notes. That's the difference. Exactly. All right. So, Fernando Alonso, born. He was born on July 29th, 1981, to a father who was a mine shaft explosive mechanic and amateur karting driver. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. His father wanted him to have something in common with his mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. And he wanted something to do on weekends, so he bought his older sister... Um, Fernando's older sister, a cart. Yeah. And she didn't want it, so it was passed on to Alonzo. And funny enough, that cart had a copy livery of the 98, the 1980s, 90s, the uh, red and white Marlboro. Yeah, yeah. McLaren. And it, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool looking cart. But that was passed on to him. And, and thank he, God his sister didn't like to drive, like, like the go-kart. Yeah. Because if she did... We might not have had Fernando Alonso. We would have had another. We would have had another Alonso in Formula One, potentially. Would have been Fernando the Doctor. 
I actually don't know his sister's name. It's not my notes. Fernandina. Fernandina? No, I'm just talking about <laughs> <of> my ass. <laughs> Fernando and Fernanda. <laughs> it's like George Foreman named all of his kids George or formations of George. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Really? Every girl in, in like that he had was like Georgette, Georgina, Georginos, Pizza. I don't know. Um, and fucking... George Foreman, all the boys, George 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. He had like 13 kids, and they're all George. Wow. The more you know. Well, this is actually the George Foreman podcast. <laughs> Thank God you know a lot about him, because I was just, uh, Fernando Alonso, who gives a shit? We're going to talk about George Foreman and his 13 George kids for the remaining uh, like, time of this. It's just, I know it has nothing to do with what you're talking about. It's just so outlandish <laughs> that this dude named all of his kids George. <laughs> Make sure to tune into our podcast on Sunday because that's all we're gonna talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna go about the life and careers of George Foreman's children. George one, two, three, four, five, six, and you get the point. Mm-hmm. All right, back to Fernando. Yeah, back to Fernando. <laughs> so he was uh, mentored. So he so he grew up karting and yeah. he won his first race and his first championship at seven. Yeah, which is very young. Really cool. And he ended up uh, being mentored by a go kart importer named Genis Marco. I'm definitely butchering that name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He And he was the one that taught him to be a very conservative driver who maintains the cart. So Fernando Alonso, he's, he's recognized for his ability to have a calm, cool, collective driving skill. Almost the opposite of like a Max Verstappen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's known he can manage his cart substantially well. He's really good on the tires. Mm-hmm. And he, this is stuff he's learned from this guy from... Jenis Marco. Jenis? It's probably Jenis. Probably Jenis. Something like that. You can tell her cultural uh, hey, awareness is not. Hey, I'm ex- I'm extremely cultured. The pronunciation of Spanish names is not my strong suit. Okay? Yeah, me neither. You give me Italian names, gotcha. Oh, for sure. Any day of the week. Mark, we're like the Lewis most. Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Italian. Oh, British names? Absolutely. Oh, God, no problem. Lewis Hamilton. No problem. Jensen La- Button. Lando Norris. Oh, God. Easy got it. money. Done. Easy Sterling one. Moss. Yep. That's another one. Yep. Done. Try to beat that. <laughs> but, so we won't talk too much about his early life, um, but his motorsport career. So 10 years, so he was 17, 10 years after winning his first championship in karting, he moved on to the Euro Open by Nissan. Mm-hmm. He won every race he finished except for three, where he came second twice and finished seventh once. Once. Talk about how crazy that is. Which is insane. You just move from karting to like the to like the like actual motorsport racing. Just win everything. Yeah, just immediately. He did have a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. It was nineteen ninety nine, but and still ridiculous. Just comes in and does everything well. Yeah, and um, then he moved on to F three thousand in two thousand yeah. in the year two thousand, and he finished fourth in the championship. For the second place finish in Hungary, and he won the last race of the season in Spa, and the Hungary was at the Hungaro Ring. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, at Spa was obviously Spa at Spa Francorchamps. <laughs> so he got his first taste of F1 in 1999 as a promotion while he was racing in the, racing in the Nissan Cup. Yeah. Where the promotion was the championship winner had to be given an opportunity to drive at a higher level car. And Minardi, the team Minardi, gave him that opportunity to test, which is really cool. Yeah, because that's like going from like like an like an average motorsport to the mm-hmm. the motorsport. There yeah. is no pedigree higher than Formula One. Arguably, you could say Le Mans is like the race to win, just like Monaco or even Indy. Yeah, those th- those three obviously. But mm. as far as like a season and a championship goes, Formula One is the pedigree, and that's why we we love it so much. That's why. We do this podcast, and that's why you're listening to this podcast, because yeah. you also love it so much. And then he became, he was an official test driver for Minardi in 2000, yeah. in the year 2000. Sorry, so I was off by a year in uh Did he start racing for, uh, like, a Formula 3000 in 98, instead of 99? It was 99, I think. Okay. Wow, I got the notes, and I still messed this one up. <laughs> Oops. The oh, Formula okay. 3000 was in the year 2000. Okay. But he was a test driver for Minardi. Yeah. And he ended up racing for them in a very unforgettable season in 2001. His highest finish was 10th. 
And if you have not been a long-term Formula One fan, that was not a points-paying no. position back in the year 2000. No, wasn't. And he finished 23rd in the standings with zero points. But the car was highly uncompetitive, and yeah. it's his first year in Formula One. so It's definitely not indicative of the career he would have to come. You exactly. Know? Oh, like uh, George Russell. Wow, I'm butchering words today. some water. Russell. <laughs> We're just going to take a 45-minute break as I try to... Try to recoup. Adam's going to take a shower, have a nice cup of tea. We'll get back yeah. to this in a little bit. I have bit. a reverse lisp. All of my S's are shh's. <laughs> Me and Mike Tyson would just be a, same, like an absolute... basically the same Yeah, tag guy. team. Yeah, no, you're right, though. George Russell's had a... He's with, he started his career with a car that's not competitive at all. He's Not at all. The guy has no points ever. Nope. But he's come close many a time. Mm-hmm. And that's that says enough about him. Because if your car's that shitty and you're still, you know, getting 11th, 12th place finishes, that's not a half, that's not half bad, right? Mm. And George Russell is a driver that we both think, I know, I'm going to speak for both of us on, on this one, that will have a good career and a long career. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, he will. <laughs> <laughs> that's another British name we know how to say. George Russell. There we go. Well, I can't say it because I think uh, it's George Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so after 2001 and that unforgettable season, he signed with Renault in 2002 as a test driver with the goal of that role to prove himself and to gain famili- familiarity yeah. within Renault. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, which was, worked for him. Which worked pretty well. Because in 2003, he signed as an official race driver for that mm-hmm. game. And he finished sixth in the championship. Not half bad, man. Yeah, 55 points. Which, again, keep in mind... That the point system was a lot different back yeah. in 2003 than it is now. Yeah. He got 55 points. He got more than 55 points, I think, in like 2017. Yeah. He did shit in 2017. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a, it was a different ranking system. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance you do know that. Yeah, absolutely. But, so he broke two records. Yeah. What records? Well, what he records? broke the. He was the youngest pole sitter and the youngest race winner yeah. at the time. Which was pretty impressive. No longer does he hold those records because mm-hmm. Mr. Max Verstappen is now the holder of both those records. I believe so. Yeah. Correct us if we're wrong in the comments, but I believe that's that's both those records. Yep. Send and, us a DM yeah. at the Annika Pod on or, Instagram. Or, or, or our website. Or, which leads us right to us our Instagram, www.theundercutpod.ca. Yes, sir. There we go. But, so 2004, again, pretty forgettable year for him. He was very, he was improved. But 2003 and 2004 were pretty similar. Yeah, for basically mm-hmm. the same. He's, he was just up and coming young. But 2005 is where it all changed for him. Yep. Right? He, and it changed because there were two regulation changes. And those two that were you couldn't change tires during a race. And you had to wait two races minimum before changing your engine. Yeah. And since Alonso's car, the that Renault was a lot more reliable than Kimi Raikkonen, who was his main contender. Yeah. His main challenger. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more reliable than that McLaren. He had an advantage uh, yeah. in the season, and in my notes it says he, on he top won. of being lightning quick. Oh he yeah! Was super oh cool. my god, he was super fast. Then that's what that's when he won his first race championship, first in two in a row with Renault, mm-hmm. two thousand five. He was young at the time. He was mm-hmm. the up and comer, and he won a race championship. Yeah. The next year, two thousand six, was a different year. It was a little interesting. Wait, Mark, in two thousand five, do you know which driver he beat? Not beat. But who previously had the record for the youngest world drivers championship? Oh God, um, hmm. off the top of my head, no. But I'm gonna guess. It rhymes with Schmemerson Schmidapali. Oh, Emerson Fittipaldi. How'd you guess? Oh, wow. Oh, high five. What year? When did he? How old oh, was he? I I don't know, but uh, Alonso beat him by a year, or it was less than a year. Oh, see, that's so interesting. I mm-hmm. thought he was going to be someone along the lines of like a Schumacher who won really early in his career. Yeah, Schumacher was pretty old when he entered the sport, though. Yeah, he well, was old yeah. as in under he, Formula to One. To be fair, he was though, because during his comeback, he was already forty-one in twenty ten. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get there. We're gonna get to that later. Yeah. We'll, we'll do another Fernando, uh, on Michael Schumacher episode. Oh, Potentially, I, I wanted to see how this one goes. I had no idea what to expect. Yeah, I can't wait. This is this is a completely new territory for yeah. this guy. So bear with us for a little Let bit. Let us learning. know. Let us know if you like it. We're going to find our legs a little bit more in this one. And when we get on to other drivers, other races, other events. And yeah, let yeah, us, yeah, but let us know if you like it and you want us to do more. Uh, I like stuff like this. Like I said too. earlier, I'm a history major. So like looking through looking through this stuff and finding mm-hmm. like coincidences and like 
parallels between drivers, which is what I want to talk about a little later on in the episode, yeah. is um, my forte. Yeah. So you'll hear more about that from us later. Well, you but... love the history, eh? Oh, man, you have you no love clue. The you have no clue. But, so, Alonzo beat Emerson Fittipaldi's the youngest world driver championship. Yeah. He had, in 2005, he had seven victories, six pole positions, and 14 podium finishes for 133 points. That's a crazy Which is a year. lot of points. That's a crazy year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And moving on to 2006, Mark, you were just about to say... Uh, it, was just a, it was a little bit of a different year. In 2005, Ferrari kind of lost their legs. I know I always sound like the broken Ferrari fan who comes in and just tries to boast about them. But in 2006... It was a different year for them. Mm. They were contenders. Uh, Fernando um, won the season by, I don't know if you knew this, but only three points, and they came down to the last race, and he beat yep. the Michael Schumacher the year he originally retired. Mm-hmm. So to, to have a, a driver who, um, you know, his car honestly probably wasn't as good as the Ferrari in 2006. They really found their legs that year, and he still beat him. I, I Granted, uh, Schumacher was getting old, but... You know, still, like, arguably in the later years of what would have been his prime if he hadn't retired. Coming off five straight championship victories to be dethroned solely by Fernando Alonso. Mm. Like, we'll get more into, like, the, the details of that season, but I just wanted to throw that fact out there earlier on. It's like, he beat Schumacher by only three points, and it wasn't... It, those wins weren't handed to him. He had to fight hard for that. Well, his second... The second last round, Japan... Mm-hmm. Um... They were tied going into that round, yeah. which was insane, um, because the FIA banned Renault's tuned mass damper yep. uh, to slow them down and increase competitiveness and let Ferrari get some development to make it more fun. Yes, no, but I'm not saying that, like, what, okay, but, I'm, like, I'm going to correct myself on what I said about the, the Renault car not being better, well, but once, what I meant was once they... No, they were better. The Renault was... Hundred percent better. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I said that it wasn't better at oh. first. but after the season, like, I, like it was, it got the gap got closed. Is what I meant. Um, like what with what you said. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I can't speak today. Sorry, <laughs> guys. But the gap got closed after they changed the rules, and yeah. that's what made it fun and competitive. And the, and that's when the race wins stopped, like really getting handed to him, and he had to really compete, and he was competing against my, in my opinion, the best ever. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he got his championships thrown in his face and been like. Had a Lewis Hamilton like last couple of years where it's been like, hey, there's no one who can do anything but like at all, basically on the track. Yeah. Here, win again, win again, win again, win again, win again. But again. Lewis Hamilton is still that consistency of winning every time, no, not yeah. making mistakes, beating your teammate. It's not that hard to beat Valtteri, but I'm not. <laughs> oh, it's just that hard to keep up that consistency. But going back to 2006, uh, in Japan. I don't remember the incident, you know, because I was six years old. I wasn't really watching Formula One back yeah, then. No, but Schumacher I. retired. He retired that race. So, yeah. And then Alonso ended up fighting in the last race in Brazil to finish second to clinch the world championship. Mm-hmm. So he had to fight, had to beat, go up, like you said, young gun beating Schumacher. It'd be yeah. like Max Verstappen beating Hamilton. Which has happened, but it's like not but like a championship. In a championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, 2005 was a pretty impressive season. Yeah. And, 2000 and sorry, 2006, that, like, that was the was, season it, he fought Schumacher. Yeah, it would have been a fun season to watch. Yeah. I wish I was, like... Just any season back then. 2007 was great. 2008, 2009. 2007 was just a blip in, like, Fernando's career that he wants to forget. Yeah, we're moving on to 2007. We're just going to run through kind of each year yeah, in Formula One. For sure. And just talk about his career a little bit. As we have mentioned and done a lot in this podcast. <laughs> as to the state, what I want to what I want to stress is he won a, a championship with Renault in two thousand six, mm-hmm. and then decided to leave. Yep, just right away. Which I thought I I thought's interesting because you don't see a lot of that happening recently mm-hmm. at all. The only yeah no it hasn't. I was gonna say Vettel left after twenty thirteen, but he didn't. He left after twenty fourteen. Yeah, because the car was shit. Because the car was fucking awful, but. That's why you leave because your car's not doing well. I don't. You don't hear it a lot nowadays about drivers winning championships and dipping. Yeah, he had a secret meeting with, uh, with McLaren. Yeah, I can't remember. The, oh my god, it, it was right. Okay, I don't remember the, was, the gentleman's name, but it was right before was, getting on a podium in two thousand five. No, it was in two thousand six, Japan. 
No, I read I read a completely different thing. Okay. Maybe about a second meeting. Yeah. I, I, something about Silverstone 2005? There was Silverstone 2005, and then there was Japan 2006, and he met with, with McLaren. I don't know exactly who it was in that team, probably Bruce McLaren, but... Bruce McLaren was dead in the 70s. Did I say Bruce McLaren? Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> I... We mentioned Bruce McLaren before. <laughs> wow, that's shocking. Anyway, he met with McLaren, not Bruce McLaren, McLaren in 2006 and decided to move there in 2007. And as you know, it was kind of a, an off Lackluster. Well, it was least. an amazing season and he fought Hamilton and Kimi Raikkonen right to the end of that season. He it's was high in points with but Hamilton. Was, but it was a very toxic season. For, oh, for sure. For well, team. a couple incidents and a lot of you know team radio and stuff with that. And yeah, and um, maybe like holding himself back in pit row. Yeah, in Hungary. Just so Hamilton can. In pit row? Yeah, pit row. Pit row is just, uh, it's just an indie term. Oh, is it? Commonly, yeah. I didn't know this. I've never heard of Formula One... Like commentator, I think, call it like pit row. That's so interesting because that's yeah. really all I've heard, heard of been called. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, well, I guess I don't they don't know. really mention like the pit, like no. say pit lane. Yeah, a ton. And we both watch the Toronto Indy. Yeah. every year because we live in Toronto, Toronto, Canada, and so. So yeah, sorry for my indie terminology there, but um, I it's, thought it's it was pit, it's called pit row, but it's pit, pit row, pit lane, whatever, whatever you want to call it. You might get. You might get a, in an argument with a Formula One fan about that. I am a Formula One fan, so I'll, I'll take the smoke. Another Formula One fan. <laughs> I'll take the smoke. I.e. me. <laughs> but he was like t- I said, I'll take the smoke. <laughs> he was tied in points with Hamilton, but Hamilton ended up finishing second as he had more second place finishes in yeah. that season. So mm-hmm. he's beat by Hamilton, which is a big deal because it was Hamilton's rookie season. Um, well, and the thing is, Fernando underestimated him. Like, go, like... Vocally, going into that season. Yeah. Just a rookie kid who hadn't proven himself yet. Mm-hmm. Well, he sure did start to prove himself that season, and look at where we are now. Exactly. But, yeah, and so, and like we mentioned, he had some controversy, and then there was also the uh, espionage scandal mm-hmm. with Renault, McLaren, and Ferrari, where they were sharing information. There was that. There was the pit lane holdup, and they ended up terminating... His three-year contract early. Well, well he in, went, in 2007. Yeah, he had one season at McLaren yeah. in his first stand, then went right back to Renault. Right back to Renault. And had some lackluster years. A couple of not <laughs> not amazing no. Formula One years by any stretch. No. But in 2008, uh, they lacked power because of just kind of a lagging development. Yep. Um, but And he had an exit clause. I... The only thing I really remember from 2008, and this isn't really a Fernando Alonso thing, but a Renault thing. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, I remember Hamilton winning the championship and the massive upset. Is that clock? Because it was only a couple weeks ago, the anniversary of that. Yeah. But. Still makes me sad. It was the crash gate in Singapore when Nelson PK Jr. Yeah. was told to crash. And. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Just to think about, like, like, hey, go, crash. Yeah. In uh, Singapore. Okay. Like. Crazy incident. Yeah. Uh, he, that was only one of two races he won. So lackluster, yeah. I guess, like a bad season for someone now is Haas, but a bad season for Fernando Alonso in two thousand eight was two wins. Yeah. It was pretty lackluster for him, yeah. especially considering his career up to that point. Mm-hmm. You know. So he had an exit clause with Renault in two thousand nine if they didn't finish third in the championship. Mm-hmm. But he in two thousand eight, but he didn't exercise it. And he re-signed with the team, declining a seat in Red Bull and Honda, which Honda at the time makes sense. Yeah. Red Bull also kind of makes sense at the time. But imagine, because do you know who Honda turned into? Braun. And do you know who Braun turned into? Mercedes. The seven-time championship winners. That could have been him. Come on, Fernando. But he had no no way of How knowing. How would you ever know? That's like five years in the future. Yeah, but <laughs> but hindsight is twenty twenty. So it's not true. signing with Red Bull and Honda, who became Braun, who became Mercedes. Two thousand and nine is probably Fernando Alonso's most forgettable year. Oh, it's true. You know what's funny? Wow, what was that? You know what's funny? 
We're looking at the stats right now, and you were talking earlier about how the point systems changed so much yeah. in Formula One. He went from winning 103, or getting 133 points in 2005, 134 in 2006, mm-hmm. and winning the championship. To 2010, he finished second in the championship with 252 points. Yeah. And fourth in the championship the next year with 257 points. And then 278 in the following year, which is his highest points finishing season. Ever. Yeah, he finished behind Sebastian Vettel a lot. Mm-hmm. He but was he was the real contender for Vettel. Like, yeah, Mark yeah. Webber was pretty good, but... Man, Fernando Alonso in those he had a few really good seasons in those mm-hmm. Ferraris. He arguably should have won twenty ten, like if like because it was a new car. Mm-hmm. Yes, they had a couple years in the V eight era. Yep. But Fernando, like from what from what I've read, because like we I said I wasn't a Formula One fan back at that time. He it looks like he should have won that season, but Vettel upset. Mm-hmm. Then twenty eleven they had um, the thing with the exhaust booster thing. Yeah. That put. Um, that put Red Bull ahead of the pack for a while, then they nerfed that, and then it was just a catch-up game that he couldn't catch up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2012 was a great season for him. They People have been saying, arguably, that's his prime, even though he did win his championships in 05 and 06, and that's when I think his prime would have been. Yeah. The championship-winning years. What he did in 2012 was pretty impressive. Yeah. Coming second in that championship. But... We, I digress on that topic so, for now. Like we said, because we're, we're actually getting to that. Yeah. Well, we, that Ferrari era was a pretty incredible era, kind of underrated because it's when you think 2010 to 2013, you think Sebastian Vettel because you don't That's care about think. the guy who comes in second. No, but but that guy for almost mm. all of those years was Fernando Alonso. Yes, it was, <laughs> and he was very competitive. Mm-hmm. And in a car that was competitive, sure, you have to have a competitive car to come second place, generally. But it wasn't as fast as those Red Bull cars. And yeah. obviously 2013, Red Bull just carried away. Oh my god, nine wins yeah. in a row. Yeah. But, it was... But like 2010, 2011, 2012, we're like... That was a big fight between those two every year. Yeah. And people tend to forget about that and dog on Fernando mm-hmm. for quite a little bit. Well, because it was his McLaren. His McLaren years that followed after. Mm-hmm. He ended Ferrari on a, a low... Yes. And then went to McLaren and had a lot of lows. And then all of a sudden, now well, he's in like Indy and like WBC. Yeah. And just like left the sport in 2018. But he, what everyone's forgetting is that he's winning all of, the, all of those things. He hasn't won the Indy 500 yet. I'm going to say yet because I have a feeling that he's not going to retire until he does. He's participated <laughs> once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be like 83. Yeah. <laughs> Still ripping around that Indy, the Indy 500 track. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so Honda had a few really bad years with McLaren where he, while he was there. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like those Honda motors were really bad. Yeah, like really bad. And he commented on that. We know that, right? A lot. That and that is a big part of my show notes. Okay, so then we'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. I'm sorry, I'm running through it a little fast. I got a lot to say. We got hey, we got we got a lot of notes, a lot of good, mostly true, apparently information. 1,200 um, 1200 <laughs> words worth of notes from you. Yeah. And I got a brain. I and like you got a brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, Mark. It's okay. <laughs> but, so he was actually supposed to move to Ferrari in 2011, but because of the Renault's crash gate investigation and Kimi being released from Ferrari, he mm-hmm. joined in 2010. He won his debut race in Bahrain mm-hmm. in 2010. And he was runner-up, like we said, in 2010, only because he couldn't pass Petrov in the last race of the season as a result of a strategy error from Ferrari. Yes, because... The, oh, right. Oh, my God. Because their their whole strategy for that race was to block Mark Webber. Yeah. And then Mark Webber retired early in that race, and then the Ferrari team was stranded going, like, what the fuck are we supposed to do now? Mm-hmm. And he spent the rest of that race looking at the tail end of a Renault car. Yeah. Which, how much of a Ferrari and Fernando Alonso thing is that? I can't believe it. Where Fernando Alonso loses the championship because of a Ferrari strategy and has to spend the whole race looking at a Renault. We're just going to have a 47-minute moment of silence for Fernando Alonso's Can, 2010. Actually, we should, we, should, we should give him like a 10-second like a moment of silence. We're not going to give him one. Okay, well, it's not very podcasty. It is. I think it should be. He didn't die. Yeah, he did. That, that season died with him. Yeah, that season <laughs> did die with him. It was pretty sad. And then moving into 2011, you know, he had a really mixed season. 
but he got 10 podiums in a car that lacked a lot of aerodynamic grip. Yeah. And he only managed to finish fourth in that season. But in that car that didn't have a ton of aerodynamic grip, and he actually, when I remember reading when he was uh, go-karting, his parents couldn't afford rain tires, so he just had to adapt to driving. That's wild. In the rain with slicks and still was putting up good performances and wins and podiums and things that's like that. A, that's like, I don't know if most people will understand how really impressive that is. Yeah. Because that's crazy. Grip makes such a difference for anyone mm. who's like ever driven on a track or driven a go-kart, yeah, which I'm a, hoping is most of you guys. Um, driven on a car in general. Well, yeah, driven watch on a Formula car. One. But like, I find that you like, you yes, obviously watch Formula mm. One. But I find that like when you're on a road car, it, you notice it less unless it's like snowing. Yeah, because like most snow, like most even summer tires for road cars are adapted for rain. Mm-hmm. Also, right? You're not gonna get optimal performance obviously on a sunny day, like you would on a slick. Yeah. But that's why they exist. They're meant to be driven on the road. So you don't. I don't find that when I drive, I see the difference all that much. So my mm-hmm. whole point was like, you know, driving a go kart, driving a, like a track car that has yeah. track tires, it makes a huge difference. Oh, it does. So for him to so. He's, I'm just saying he has had that kind of adaptability from a very young age, and he was specialized in that when he was karting, and he has done that all through his career. Like, um, in 2003, that rental was not easy to drive. I don't know if you remember reading this or hearing about this, but going back to 2003, it was a very understeery. If you watch um, just some the some laps of that, uh, that rental from 2003. Yeah. You look like you're steering because they have to steer earlier than everyone else. So it looked like you're steering into the barrier. Yeah. But the, since the car's so understeery. So you, you don't. He was able to deal with that really well. Got 10 podiums. It's impressive. Which is pretty impressive, but only finished fourth that season. Um, so he extended his contract with Ferrari in 2012 mm-hmm. all the way to 2016. Yeah. We all know how that ended. It didn't. It ended. <laughs> Terribly. Yeah. So in 2012, he led the championship by 40 points, but with some crashes, thanks Roman Grosjean, in Spa specifically. Yep. A couple failures like in Japan and improved performance by Vettel. Yeah. Who won four straight races late in the season. He lost out on the championship by Vettel. Barely. Barely. Three points. Four. Four. Four points. Okay. I stand corrected. By four points. I might have read it wrong when I did so. I thought it was three. By a handful of yeah, points. Yeah, like, like, like a one race difference. Mm-hmm. A couple spots. And then, then moving on to 2013. Mark, I know you did a lot of research on the 2013-14 era. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I know he he came second in the championship again in 2013. Sorry, That year was like, just like a, like a kind of like, like, I know he came second, but it, there wasn't mm. too much exciting that I, I remember. I Well, like I said, I wasn't, like, a crazy big Formula 1 fan back in the day. It's pretty recent. So, from my research, it, I didn't see a lot, like, of exciting stuff happening. It was a second-place finish, fighting Vettel again. Yep. But the 2013 season was just an absolute bombshell from yeah. Red Bull. And nine, you said it earlier, nine race wins in a row for yeah. Sebastian Baby. Vettel and, and Red Bull. It's, it. <laughs> it's kind of hard to beat them. So, he had three race wins, though, 242 points. Ferrari designed that car very aerodynamic, very just aggressive. Yeah. So again, going from but, a car... Which, is, which we, like we said earlier, isn't necessarily his driving style. Yeah. Yes, he's aggressive when he, he has to be, but he's also composed, calm. He's good at, like you said, man, we said managing the tires. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, all that, all that stuff. So, which is interesting because in 2013, his driving partner was Kimi Raikkonen. Yes, it was. And Kimi's also not the most aggressive driver on the grid. His driving partner in 2013 was Felipe Massa. Was it? Are you sure? Yeah, 2014 Kimi joined for Oh, you're now. right. I'm sorry. That's my bad. <laughs> we look like a couple of noobs in Formula One. Like, we don't know anything, but no, I, I just you read do. a lot. There was a lot of information that we took in the past couple of days. Yeah, learning it gets about a little jumbled. Fernando Alonso. Yeah. It got a little jumbled, but Felipe Massa in 2013, uh, Kimi Raikkonen in 2014. 2014, two not particularly aggressive drivers. No. So that car was not ideal. Which is, which, going back to my original point, Felipe Vassa, still not the most aggressive driver. Yep. Interesting that they designed an aggressive car around them. Yeah. They just needed, they needed aggression in qualifying and they just, you know, they had to make, they had to sacrifice likability 
and handling performance, yeah. kind of like Red Bull is right now. Yeah. But fortunately, Red Bull has Max Verstappen. But the, that's the thing. Red Bull's designed their car around that kid mm-hmm. who is an aggressive driver. Probably the most aggressive driver on the grid right now, I would say personally. Him or uh, Daniel Rick. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. It just like That's why that makes sense to me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? The, when the, if Ferrari is designing an aggressive car in those years and their drivers aren't necessarily the most aggressive... What are you getting out of it? I guess you're getting like... I don't know. The Ferrari. So I'm not surprised that they kind of... Yes, I know. Ferrari <laughs> strategy is not great. Not at all. And it hasn't been for a long time. You know what? Can you just please bring back Jean Todd? Jean Todd. I'm serious. Yeah. He was like the last really good team principal we had. Yeah, get rid of... It was like of 2007. Sp- yeah, get rid of... We we say this every podcast. Get rid of Spinato. Please. Yeah. I'm tired of him. Yeah. Well, let's talk about 2014. That was not a good year. Terrible year. He not had a good year no at all. race wins, two, two podiums. Wins. Just it was just Mercedes, 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 yeah. everyone else. Yeah. So just I have no real recollection of that year. It was just bad. Yeah. It was just bad. It was Lewis's second championship. Mm-hmm. Was that year? I was gonna say first championship, but then we all first go championship back with to Mercedes. Yes, yeah, first with Mercedes, second overall. We all go back to 2008. Another mm-hmm. sad day in my life. But um, yeah, he just like just a not great year for Fernando. Yep. The beginning of his downfall in the sport of F one. For now. Kinda. For, for now. now. For now. He's gonna come back. With I'm so excited. Alpine racing. Yes, which I'm, I'm very excited to have him I'm on the grid. So excited, man! What a driver. What a driver. But yeah, so it's basically for me that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. I don't know if you agree or not, but like after that season in Ferrari, he left. They brought Ferrari brought in Vettel. And Fernando yep. went to McLaren. And he left because of just a lot of severe disagreements with Ferrari. Yeah. And especially after they 2014. They didn't leave on great terms. pulled a really quick Alan Prost and just kind of dipped and went to McLaren. Yeah. And which wasn't the exact move that Alan Prost made, but he went because he went to Williams. But same so, kind yeah, of. Yeah, you got it. You understand yeah. the principle behind it. And so, then he had, what, a few pretty lackluster. Less than lackluster years at, yeah. at er, McLaren. Those first years with the Honda motor, yep. which I know you like to talk about. <laughs> um, hey, hey, Honda is a race winner. I know. Fernando is not. Yes, well, yes, okay, he, okay. yes he is. In recent, he has in the, 32 race wins. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase that. In the past three years... Honda, race winner. Fernando, Fernando. Fernando hasn't been in the sport for two of those three years. Okay, so <laughs> Fernando Alonso's past last three years. Okay, fair. Yeah. But how many of those years were with McLaren, with Honda Motors? The majority. He had one year with a Renault motor and then dipped. Yep. And it was just like, <laughs> fuck you, see ya. Yeah. So his McLaren days did not start. It probably started the worst way possible. He, got a, he crashed in testing in 2015. Yeah. And he missed the first race with uh, Kevin Magnussen replacing him because he got a concussion. K-Mag. And in that season, he only finished in the points twice. That's awful. Yeah. He had 10 in the British Grand Prix and 5th in Hungary. Yeah. Which isn't which isn't bad. Isn't terrible. But overall, the season was awful. And for yep. a driver with a pedigree like Fernando Alonso yeah. has, can you believe? Can you imagine? Could you imagine if next year Lewis just went to like... <laughs> Fucking Williams. Williams or Alfa hey, Romeo. I just... said on a previous podcast, Williams and Hamilton, he would win. Never lost. <laughs> anyway, Williams and Haas. Yeah, anyway. Fucking Williams and Haas. Um, Lewis and Haas. Haas. Lewis and Alfa Romeo. Yeah. He just like, a guy who's like won a bunch of championships going to a car and hitting points twice in a season. Yeah. Like, sorry? It just looks, it just doesn't look Amazing, and it doesn't sit well either. And no, I'm sure no, no it one wants to see it. I'm sure it didn't sit well with Fernando. <laughs> As you can tell, uh, GP2 engine, uh, GP2, GP2, <laughs> and a lot of other, a lot of other radio messages that were not particularly nice. But he let everyone know <laughs> that he did not like that engine. And they tried to build that team around him. Yeah, like they put a lot of like time had, and effort into Fernando. You had two world champions in one team. Yeah. And nothing. He, he shit the bed. Nothing. But 2016 was a lot better. He mm-hmm. got points nine times. Yep. And he got fifth twice in US, one of my favorite tracks, Coda. 
and Monaco, one of my other favorite tracks to drive, not so much to watch, but yeah. a pretty good season. And not then, bad, right? you know, moving into 2017, not a great season no. either. No, uh, they had really bad reliability. Um, and only, oh, important to mention in 2016, out of those nine times he was in the points, and out of that season, he missed two races. Yeah, he missed one race and crashed. Yeah, yeah. in Australia, which I remember so watching. So he DNF'd that. one race and he, he missed a race. Yeah, he did. So and he hit. He was in the points nine times. So it's not half bad. It's pretty good. Still not where Fernando wants to be. Yeah. And he was hoping to improve in 2017 with the regulation changes, and yeah. he did not. He had terrible reliability and only managed to finish 15th in the standings, mm-hmm. which is his worst finish since 2009, which was previously his worst finish since 2000. Yeah. So, pretty not, not great. And he even missed a race to do the Indy 500. Yeah, they, they let him go. Yeah. They were like, hey, sure. Go race in the 8500, which he didn't even qualify for, and he didn't participate in. Yeah. He didn't qualify. I mean, he did, but he didn't qualify good enough to participate. No. And then his last season <laughs> in 2018, or his last season so far, yes. he had nine points finishes again with an impressive fifth in Australia. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that race, and he was like, this is the start of something new, or he said something like that. This is the beginning of something. It was the beginning of nothing. That was the beginning of the end. <laughs> That's what that was. But he had 50 points. So, hey, yeah. 50 points in 2018, 55 points in 2004. Not bad. An equal, Not an bad. equally good year, I would imagine. Not bad at all. <laughs> Again, because the, point, the points were measured the exact same way. The exact way. same. The exact same way. You judge a man's skill. Our driver's skill based on points and points alone. That's it. Refer back to our first episode where we did the opposite of that. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, just not a great season, and he left to pursue other things. Yeah, and he no longer in that 28 year had that Honda motor to rag yeah. on. He now had a Renault motor to rag on. <laughs> At which he did. Oh, absolutely. Not as much as Honda, though. No, no, no. He's not a fan. He learned his lesson. Yeah. But Renault... Yeah. Thank God he didn't roast that Renault engine because he's going back. going to be a little bit awkward. It's like, you know, crapping on your boss's car, quitting your job and going back a week later and being like, hey, listen, I need a, I need a position yeah. at this job. I still feel like they might have taken him because it's mm. Fernando. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So we're moving on now to his other racing because he is a driver that is not just Formula One. Oh, absolutely. And Formula uh, star races, but... The microphone that we have is a little unstable, so we've been <laughs> holding it up the entire podcast. <laughs> he has a lot of, especially in endurance. And yeah, so he is like, he is multifaceted, multi-talented in that mm-hmm. sense. Like, yes, it's all driving based, but he's a two-time Le Mans winner, which we'll get to. He won 24 hours of Daytona, which we'll get to. But he started outside of that, his endurance career in 1999, where he raced in the 24 hours of Barcelona race. Yeah. Finished 10. So I didn't even know there really was... Neither did I. I didn't know that existed. Nope. Not, not until today. No. So you, you learn something new every day, just like hopefully you guys are learning something yeah. new today. Yeah. Oh. Learning that I'm a, we're kind of slight idiots, big Formula One fans. Huge fans, idiots, up for, uh, and huge idiots. History lovers. Hand in hand. And Mark, you got a killer memorizing brain, and I do not. Yeah. Oh, and some Formula One stuff, of course. Yeah, but yeah, most, yeah Mostly yeah. those things I just looked So at. Adam, let's talk about um, Daytona for a bit. He not raced. his most famous Le Mans win. Or not, not Le Mans. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. everyone. It wasn't his most famous Le Mans win because it was Le not Le a Le Mans win at all. Not his most famous race, but definitely interesting. Continue. He raced with uh, he raced with Lando Norris, which I had no idea until this afternoon. Which is so cool. Which is so sick. And uh, But he finished 38. They had a lot of mechanical issues and just, were, you know, with traffic and not really being able to out a good show yeah but but he came back in 2019 and won and he said fuck you guys and won and won yep and he won and then he won again and then he won again he's so fucking talented he is pretty talented and um so we had his sorry i live we're at my studio right now and i live with five roommates yeah and they're not very respectful sometimes of the quietness but it's okay because we're having fun doing the podcast. We're trying here, guys. We're, we're trying. trying. 
There's only so much you can do with one dollar in your bank account and a whole lot of dreaming. That's, that's fucking for sure, isn't it? That's not my real situation, but no, no, so, yeah, it's not. He tried in 2019 and won. Yeah, and what else did he win in 2019? He participated in the FIA World Endurance Championship, the WEC, and he won that. He had five out of eight wins, two second place. Two second places mm-hmm. and one disqualification in Silverstone. So impressive. Yeah, which was a pretty good season. This is for a him. guy who raced open wheel formula racing for the last twenty years, basically. Yeah. Went just had a completely different style of endurance racing. Won that. Then, he wasn't an LMP one car that has kind of the same physics as a Formula One car, opposed to being in like a GTE or a GT three or four car so it was a lot of downforce but just that True. different style of racing different rules they'd refueling they have driver changes and all this stuff so going and win it's pretty impressive it's pretty impressive yeah. i he read al- he also um won Le Mans twice 2018 yep. and 19 yeah. and yeah 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 2019 i wasn't sure if it was 1920 but then i realized it was 1819 sorry guys yeah yeah and um and he participated in dakar 2020 yeah which was not, like you have said, a lackluster performance. Yeah, he yeah. finished 13th, didn't win any stages, but, but he was just doing 58. that. Yeah, he was just doing that for fun. Yeah, and also still pretty impressive. It was yeah. his first time racing rally. And, like, In 2020, he was yeah. Yeah, bored. He was yeah. just like, hey, let me just go out and do the Dakar, which is an insane, an insane rally. race. It's not normal rally. It is in a desert, and there's a lot of factors, and then, mm-hmm. but lots of fun. Oh, I'm sure. And... Yeah, and and that leaves us where we are now. Where we Looking are now. Looking forward to a Fernando Alonso comeback next yep. year in Formula One with the Alpine Renault mm-hmm. Formula One team. He had a test with them. He did a film day with him to get a hundred free kilometers in their current car. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to see what what he's going to bring to the table. Oh man, me too. Me yeah. too. You know what? A lot of people have been comparing um, recently that I've seen online. A lot of like Schumacher versus Alonso comeback comparisons. I don't know if you've seen a lot of that online. I haven't really. Feed, but I've seen a ton of it recently. Oh yeah. And it's like people are compare, comparing the two and like why they came back and who came like what mm-hmm. the reason for coming back is. And I think it's interesting. And I think that Fernando's going to do well in his comeback for a couple of reasons. Why? He's still hungry. He's he, pretty hungry. He came back and he he's coming back to win. Mm-hmm. Because the last time he won was 14 years ago. We'll be 15 next season. Nope. It was seven years ago, Mark. The last time he won a Formula One championship. Oh, 14. championship. Yes. I thought you were talking about race win. No, 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 no. The last, last time he won a championship was 14 years ago mm-hmm. in 2006. Yep. Next year will be the 15th anniversary of the last time he won. Yes, it will. If he can you know, do well next year, mm-hmm. continue for the next couple of years, he'll be pretty solid. Yeah. Give himself a nice chance to win. Not on top of that, the, see the difference there is from Schumacher. Sorry, is Schumacher came in, came back as a seven-time world champion, having done it all. At the time, there was no one mm-hmm. even close. There was no him and Hamilton conversations. There was nothing. No. Number one was Michael Schumacher. Mm-hmm. In my mind, he still is. But number one was Michael Schumacher. Ferrari fan. Yes, I know. I have a bias. <laughs> as the entire listener base knows, I have a bias. Yeah, but um. <laughs> no, but like he came back, he came back seven time world championship. He was just doing it for fun. I think the real difference maker between the two is he's so hungry, mm-hmm. and Fernando has some time left in him because he's he's thirty nine, he's getting old. Yep. But when Shumi came back in twenty ten, he was already forty one. Yeah, that gives him two full extra years to like you know get there and like give him a chance to win. He could realistically, if he goes, if he retires at the same time Schumacher did, he could have. Another five years in the sport. Yeah. At, and that's if he retires at the same time, not after, not beforehand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he could have seven world championships. Realistically, if he won probably. all of them. Yeah, probably not going to happen. Uh, I don't year. know. I think it is. Maybe in 20. 20- <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> you heard think, it here first, folks. I think he's winning 2021. I know. 2022. Yep. 2023. Never 2024. Yes, 2028. He's yep. taking a break in between to win. Right. And he's coming back 2067. Yeah. At the age of 85, and he's going to win the F1 World Championship. It's going to be him and Kimi Raikkonen. Because the cars fly. <laughs> the cars fly. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, Fernando Alonso, very excited for him to come back. He is recognized as one of the greatest drivers to ever do it by everyone. Oh my god, he's so... Like, yeah. Probably one of my favorite drivers to watch. Yeah, and so I am very excited oh, me too. for him to come back. So at the very end, I've got some fast facts. Pun intended. So, Formula... So, just as Formula One, um, fast facts, but 314 entries with 311 race starts, 32 wins, 97 podiums, he wants to get to 100, 1,899 points, he wants to hopefully break 2,000, break 2000. two championships, 22 poles, 23 fastest laps, first race was in Australia, 2001, his first win was in 2003 in Hungary, he loves that track. His last win was 2013 Spanish Spanish Grand Prix. He drives the number 14 because it is his lucky number. And he won the World Karting Championship at the age of 14 on July 14th at That's the age of 7. Pretty cool. Not, wow, well, I just at said the at the 14. age of 14 on July 14th. At the age of 7. At the <laughs> age of 7. <laughs> at the age of 14 at the age of 7. Yeah. And he has twice <laughs> been inducted into the FIA Hall of Fame. Not just once. Not just once. Once as an F1 driver and once as a WEC driver. Which is, can we just say that's really impressive by itself? Yeah. To get inducted to the um, FIA Hall of Fame on its own is super impressive. Mm. To get inducted twice? No, he's the first person to ever do it. Yeah. Which is crazy. And he has the the most podiums at Turkey. Yeah. I just learned that today as well. And so I'm telling you all that today as well. <laughs> all right, so that is it from us. Like usual, this podcast had its highs, it had its lows, it had its bumps. What did you think? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? Do you agree with some of our points? It was all facts, so I guess there's not a yeah, lot, there's of, not a lot opinion of opinion in this one. Well, well there, there were some of our opinions associated yeah. with So to let us know what you think about those. What did facts you think? are facts. But yeah. <laughs> what did you think of Fernando Alonso's career? Send us a DM. We love talking about Formula One. Send us a DM on Instagram at the Undercut Pod. Go to our website and leave us a review. Uh, the review platform will be up very shortly. But leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on our website at www.theundercutpod.ca. Leave us a review wherever you watch a podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. Mark, do you have anything else to say? Um, no, I'm looking forward to seeing or like letting you listen to us, I guess, <laughs> this Friday <laughs> with our next episode of This Week in F1. Yeah. Big. It's going to be a big week. There's a couple of news things that happened today that if you're listening to this, you probably have seen. But you'll hear about them Friday. You'll hear about the Vietnam was dropped. That was yeah. the news thing, which... Is insane. We're going to talk about that on Friday and everything else, as well as our Turkish Grand Prix race prediction. So tune into that. And from us at the End of Cup Pod, thank you very much for listening. Have an amazing night, morning, day at work, sleep, rest of your week, wherever you're watching it, rest of your week. And we will see you on Friday. Cheers. Bye.